Good Neighbor Podcast, the place where local businesses and neighbors come together. Here's your host, Lisa Swiftney. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode number 81 of the Good Neighbor Podcast. Today, we have Good Neighbor Princess Castleberry, and her business is Go Beyond Well. How are you doing today? I am fantastic. Thank you for having me today. Thank you so much for being a guest for us today. So let's first off by, um, start off by you telling us about your business. Sure. So Go Beyond Well is a wellness learning company. We help companies protect their people, their purpose, and their profits uh, by creating learning experiences that make wellness actionable. So I know that's a mouthful. Um, so what I really mean by that is that we bring um, in office and we also do virtual experiences that create an environment that deepens and strengthens the human connection and actually starts to solve um, people's you know, personal wellness challenges before they become workplace wellness uh, losses, liabilities, and conflicts. So tell our listeners about your journey. How did you get into this business? Yeah, so it's, you know, it started uh, 20 years ago, honestly, because uh, for the first 20 years of my career, Lisa, I was an enterprise risk manager. And I worked across several several industries, but namely in the staffing industry. Um, so I was a, a professional problem solver. I was a person that helped um, different people in the organization identify and assess uh, potential risks in the company. And if just want to give a simple definition of the word risk, it's just the possibility of harm or loss to something of value. So when you think about a company, company has its people, like I said, its people, its purpose, its reputation, its profits, its physical assets, all the buildings and vehicles. And when you think about what it takes to actually make sure that those things are not lost harmed, damaged, or destroyed, it takes a big effort and a lot of communication. So I was a part of the global risk management team that made that happen for some pretty large corporations. And so you learn a lot along the way, you see a lot, um, but what I've always been interested in, in is the human side of that. And the human side of that is predicated on our wellness. Okay, when we're not well, when people are not well, they don't tend to make the best decisions. They don't tend to communicate at their best and get the work done at optimal rates. Right. But the issue is so many of us are just pushing through it every day. So we're still leading great businesses and making a huge impact in the community. But people um, in large are not well. And so that's uh, my own career experience and some personal experience or actually the impetus for why I started this business. That is a very good very good reason for that. Very good and a very good journey that you have. Yeah, risk management. People people think when they hear that term, they immediately think finance, right? Because a big part that is a huge part of it: actuarial analysis, loss projections, um, you know, financial analysis. But that's not the only part of it. There is a huge amount of human centeredness that is part of risk management, and so I really have a chance to bring that to life through my wellness work, which is. To, to me, wellness is our biggest risk challenge of the day. And I agree with you on that. Can you tell us about any myths or misconceptions that you hear about in your industry? Yeah, I think the biggest thing in wellness right now is that, um, that companies are doing enough. And 
I want to preface that by saying companies are doing a lot. Companies are doing a lot, but uh, in my humble opinion, <laughs> or maybe not so humble, the traditional approach to workplace wellness just isn't working. And I'll tell you a couple of a couple of facts that I um, that I share often. Uh, the first being that one in five U.S. adults uh, will experience mental illness um, every year, every single year. And about half of the world's population will experience some form of mental illness in their lifetime. So when you add you know, that up and you think about the devastating impact, not only to our personal lives, but to companies and the potential liability, and then you also realize that the vast majority of companies offer free mental health services through their employee assistance plans. Um, here in the United States, only 4% of people ever use those plans. Oh, wow. 4%. That's a real number. And so when I was looking at that data, you know, looking at the fact that so many people experience mental illness, so many companies are providing some level of benefit, a great benefit, actually. I've used my EAP. Um but people are not using it. Um, I started to investigate why, and I found in a lot of cases, it's just the stigma, the stigma around mental health. So I think that corporations, especially since people spend so much time at work, could put forth a bit more effort at helping to break down the stigma and to um, cultivate an environment where people are freer to explore their mental health issues and not be ashamed of those. And so that's part of what we bring um, to the table. When we go inside of organizations, we create learning experiences that get people telling the truth, even if it's just to themselves, telling the truth about where they are and what they need, and then going that step further, going beyond the traditional wellness program and, and actually taking action to uh, markedly improve their wellness. So it's more than an app, you know, and I'm not shaming the app developers and the wearables and in the online trainings. I love that stuff. I use that stuff, but it's not all that people need. And I think there really is a collective responsibility um, that companies share because they benefit so greatly from people's talent. That is good to know. It is. Wow. It's a lot. So, um, so, what do you like to do for fun when you're not working on your business? <laughs> I'm not working. What do you mean? Yeah. So, no, I actually, I do. I take my rest very seriously. And so the other big part of, I'll tell you this bit first. The other big part about Go Beyond Will is that I provide professional speaking services. So this is my life. This is my dream. So it doesn't feel like work to me. So somebody would look at me and say, oh, she's always speaking. She's always doing something. But this is literally life giving for me. And, um, you know, it's just I'm in one of those seasons where you're really called to your purpose and I'm out here now and I get to flourish in it. And so um, but aside from that part of the work, um, I am a mother <laughs> and I have two sons that are 10 and 12 and I have a husband. And so we have really full lives. I mean, I just like to hang out with my family. Honestly, we have um, very quiet, lazy Sundays in my house and we just sit and enjoy each other's company. We, you know, I got boys, so I got to play video games. Sometimes I get into unprovoked wrestling matches. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I find myself in a headlock, <laughs> but 
<laughs> There's a lot of testosterone in my house. Yeah. That's lady being here. a boy mom, right? I'm a 100% boy mom. There's a, there's a lot of energy in my house, but a lot of love. And I just like to hang out with them, honestly. That's my, that's my biggest pastime. That is great. I like the lazy Sundays. Those are yeah. nice too. And they know, they know when my eyebrow, you know, the right eyebrow goes up, they're like, oh, we need to leave mom alone. <laughs> you know, the left eyebrow means curiosity. The right one means. Right. <laughs> oh, that is good. That's good to know. Hey, that works for you. That's good. Can you describe one hardship or life challenge that you rose above and can now say because of that challenge, you are better for it and or stronger. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge that comes to mind is um, the battles. Some of the battles I faced in my own mind, honestly. Um, when I first started my career, I started this out in the insurance brokerage industry. And if anybody listening knows anything about it, it's um, very conservative. Um, it is. And I walked into that environment having been born and raised and grown up uh, on the west side of Detroit. And so I came from blackness, excellence, beauty. I mean, I came from this environment where I was loved. I was nurtured. And even though during my college years, I, you know, I definitely I left Detroit, went to school out of state, was in a place where I didn't always fit in. And I lived in Europe. So I got a chance to explore but it was a different reality when I came back to Detroit after graduating and started my first job because, you know, working in adulthood is permanent. Like once you get here, it's a permanence. And I wasn't in school anymore. I wasn't exploring or just being with people that I could leave and go home. I worked with people and I was going to be working for the rest of my adulthood. Right. And um, so walking into corporate America for the first time and not in my own city and not seeing people that look like me was very hard. Not immediately relating to somebody, having my stories and my, my experiences questioned, having my dialect um, questioned. People asked me, oh, are you from the South? And I said, well, no, what do you mean? And, and they said, uh, somebody told me once, oh, because when you say the number um, 10, you put a Y in it like 10. You know, <laughs> literally. And I said, oh, well, that's just how I talk. I'm from the West Side, you know, and but we do have Southern roots. And so I never was aware of that. I was never, ever aware of my dialect or my um, that my hair was so different or all these things about me were so different because I was always with people that were like me. And so work really challenged me mentally more than anything. I was I was um, there and I was up for the challenge intellectually. And which is that's how I always related to people. I was like, we can intellectually, let's go, let's 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 do something together, let's work together, let's build, let's match wits if you want to, if if you so dare. But culturally, I was out of place, and that is what hurt. It really hurt. And so I had to uh, live through a lot of experiences early on. And I'm so happy that one of my biggest challenges came. Um, just two years into working, I was 24 and I had a, a senior executive leader, um, a woman, no less, look at me and tell me that I did not look like a risk manager. And oh. what does a risk that, manager look like? Yes. <laughs> you know what? And, and now I can answer that question. At the time, from her perspective, a risk manager looked like a middle aged white man. 
that's what it looked like. And I was not a middle aged. I was I was a 24 year old black young woman. And even though um, her 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 statement was not um, it was not, uh, you know, without some scathing. Um, I don't know that her words were fully intentional or, you know, they weren't fully malicious, but they were thoughtless. And in that moment, uh, I just took a real hard pause, not because I was, you know, um, conscious and, and knew how to pause and calm myself down, but because I was really speechless, because somebody was telling me for the first time that I could not be something that I very much so wanted to be. I'd never encountered that in my life, not from my parents, not from my grandparents or anybody um, that loved me and knew me. And so to have somebody I looked up to telling me I did not look like something, um, it hurt. And so I asked her, what do you mean by that? And she was equally stunned. She was quiet. She was reserved. And then she said, like with a very confused look on her face, she said nothing. And she said, I didn't mean anything by it. And it was like that moment when I realized like, oh, these are those moments where a person could totally either give away their power or take their power. And I took mine and I was 24 years old and I have not looked back. And I am a champion of people. I am, I live and walk into my name. I'm four foot 10, Lisa, you don't know this. Wow. <laughs> if I stood up, I probably wouldn't be much taller than I look right now and <laughs> seated, but I'm, I'm, um, I'm a, um, a shorter stature person. Um, but I take up a room. Okay. When I walk in the room, people know I'm there. And, um, and I think that experiences like that made me bigger. You know, that's great. That's amazing. Thank you. So what is one thing you wish our listeners knew about you and your business? Um, I want them to know that this way this approach to wellness, collaborative learning, real experiences, real conversations, getting face-to-face in a front with people, that this is not just a way to go, that this is the way to go. We do know that wellness is multidimensional, right? There's so many facets to wellness, so many things that impact us, but nothing will replace good old-fashioned human connection. Nothing replaces actual learning. Yes, we have machine learning and I have embraced it and I love it, but nothing uh, replaces interaction, connection, making contact with each other. Everybody can't see, so I can't say eye contact, but being in a space with somebody and having them acknowledge that you are there and that you mean something to this environment and that we're going to get well together, that is the difference. That is what Go Beyond Well does. We create that in companies. We teach leaders how to build that. Um, so it helps to sustain their culture. And they go on to do great things, again, for their people, their purpose, and their profits. And I think in today's society, it's important because we want to retain our talents. That's right. That's right. I mean, everybody wants to retain talent. Um, but you know what? Some leaders constrain talent. <laughs> yes, again, yes. They they they're trying to retain, but they're really constraining them. And you you constrain people when you don't get to know them, 
when you don't know their backgrounds, when you don't value them, when you don't make an environment psychologically safe. Yes, it's physically safe. There's metal detectors. There's a safety officer at the door. There are controls, internal controls. There's badging. But where is the respect in the meeting when the women are being overtalked? Where um, is the person of color at the table when decisions are being made? Where are the young people when the executives are talking about the next generation and how we're going to just get them motivated enough to work? Where are those people? Where is the representation? That is how people become well. Okay, there's a big difference between, uh, you know, retaining and constraining. Right, right. <laughs> mm -hmm. So now our listeners are intrigued. That's How it. How can they learn more about you or contact you? Yes. So um, super simple. GoBeyondWell.com is, is my website where you can find uh, just about anything, uh, including some of my reels and my TEDx talk, um, which was featured last year at TEDx Detroit 2022. Um, you can always find me on LinkedIn. My name is pretty unique. Princess Castleberry. And I don't think there's a lot of us out there. So if you find a Princess Castleberry from Metro Detroit, nine times out of 10 or 9.9 .9 times out of 10, it's me. Connect with me. Um, talk to me. Let me know, um, you know, just anything about you. Share something about yourself when you introduce yourselves. Um, and, and we'll go from there. Great. Well, Princess, thank you so much for being a guest on our Good Neighbor podcast today. Thank you for having me, Lisa. Thanks for listening to the Good Neighbor Podcast Rochester. To nominate your favorite local businesses to be featured on the show, go to gnprochester.com. That's gnprochester.com or call 248-988-9640.